1: This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Frankly, it's not an episode I particularly wanted to do, although it contains many of our favorite people. Um, uh, We have with us today... Um, Here in New York City, of course, since it's Thursday, um, Ryan Goodman of NYU Law School and Just Security. Hi, Ryan. Hi, David. And also from New York City, our friend, Pulitzer Prize winning author and pandemic expert, Lori Garrett. Hi, Lori. How are you? I'm great. Uh, And of course, since it's Thursday um, in Washington, D.C., We have Dr. Kavita Patel of the Brookings Institution, formerly of the Obama White House health team, and a practicing physician. Hi, Kavita. How are you?
0: Hi, David. We're going to try to end this on an optimistic note, I I promise.
1: I guarantee that won't happen. I know the three of you, (laughs) and I know where these things are going. Um, When I say I didn't want to have this conversation, I'll look forward to the opportunity to talk to you guys. But here we are in August. Almost every state in the United States is showing increase in number of COVID cases, increase in number of COVID hospitalizations. Around the world, many countries are showing this, Uh, uh, even You know, the United Kingdom, which declared Monday was Freedom Day and they got rid of all their COVID restrictions, are seeing an increase. They just ignored that. Um, France has instituted new restrictions on the unvaccinated. Um, uh, uh, But, but, you know, while we're dealing with a second or a third or fourth wave in some of these places, um, in the emerging world, they're still in the first wave. And the news out of the emerging world ranges from awful to worse. And, you know, there was a study released this week that suggests that the total number of lives lost in India, for example, is 10 times what people thought it was. In other words, it was not 400,000, which is ghastly, but it may be 4 million. In fact, it went up to 4.7 million. Um, uh, When you look at vaccine distribution around the world, uh, in Africa, it's typically in the single digits. Um, in half of Latin America, it's, it's low double digits. Um, uh, uh, and in the United States, uh, where there's plenty of vaccine to go around, uh, uh, there are a few states that have been resistant to the vaccine for political reasons that are now leading this second wave of the pandemic. Uh, which I call sort of a pandemic of choice. It's been a political choice. Uh, 40% of the cases, according to the white house are coming from three States. Um, And, uh, and yet the idiocy continues when the cruise lines go to Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida and say, we want to vaccinate all the passengers. He says, no, we'll prohibit that. Um, So, Looks like looks like we're potentially in for another um, economy rocking, society rocking bout with COVID. So I'm just going to go around to begin with and get each of your reactions to this, um, starting with you, Lori.
2: Well, none of this is a surprise in any way to me, but it is horrible, and um, the fact that I'm not shocked and amazed and awed by the situation, in no way means that I think it's something we can uh, be nonchalant about. We've seen variant after variant after variant emerge. The virus has clearly been evolving. We had a lot of poo-pooing of it all by top leaders in public health, top leaders in the sciences, Uh, five months ago when we were basically restricted to three key variants of concern, one from South Africa, one from Brazil, one from the UK. And there was a sort of, oh, well, the vaccines will take care of it. There's really nothing to worry about. All of you that are in a state of panic about the variants should just shut up. You're causing unnecessary concern. And now we see two variants, the lambda and the delta that clearly are escape mutants that escape some aspects of the immune response and against which our best vaccines are still effective but less so significantly less so than they were against the so-called alpha variant the first one that came through uh the uk and we have to understand that the virus is evolving And the more we have people that are either partially vaccinated or inappropriately vaccinated, let us say, for example, uh, if we dump um, our lesser vaccines, the AstraZeneca, the Johnson & Johnson, the Chinese vaccines, which seem not to work very well at all, Mm -hmm. if we dump all them in Africa, where we also have some 40 million people living with HIV disease uh, and you know, stir up the pot, uh, we may be, in fact, promoting even more rapid selection of escape mutant forms of the virus. So I think where we are right now is that we're seeing in country after country the frailties of the responses, the dangers of overconfidence by political leaders thinking, okay, we can open everything up, I've done a swell job, pat me on the back let's all get back in the bar. Or as we saw in the UK, let's actually party in the streets and celebrate with fireworks, calling it Freedom Day. Um, Or hey, let's have Olympics and bring super spreaders together, stir them all up in Tokyo for for two weeks. Um, What I think we're seeing now is, the beginning of a whole new phase of the global pandemic and it will be a phase that will be marked by increasing selection pressure placed on the viruses to mutate and is and in and in particular to become escape mutants, to get around various aspects of the human immune response because we'll have more and more sloppy rollout, more and more inappropriate rollout, more dumping in desperately poor parts of the planet, uh, substandard vaccines. And the result will be that we're going to see more variants and more challenges. And each time there will be a rush to say, oh, it works against the Pfizer vaccine. You know, the the Moderna still works, it can still beat that variant, all the while failing to understand that it's it's eroding public confidence, it's causing more people to find excuses not to get vaccinated, and it's going to further exacerbate tensions on the global scale between the rich world and the poor.
1: So how are we doing on that? We're going to end up positive here, Kabita. <laughs> I am.
0: I'm, I'm, it's my goal. It's my goal because I'm, I'm also having a shitty week. So I, we're going to do it, David. We're going to do it.
1: OK, well, let's You know, pick up. I'd love to hear your comments on that. I, I would note one other thing just to pile on to what Lori is saying. The Delta variant came from India. Uh, the Lambda variant came from Peru. These are both developing countries that uh, didn't get the vaccine. Um, And, you know, the IMF has estimated that the cost of vaccinating everybody on the planet would be $50 billion, Mm -hmm. which sounds like a lot, you know, except when you're talking about, you know, $4 trillion infrastructure deals or $750 billion in defense spending in the US or $2 trillion in defense spending around the world to be total of two and a half percent of, of defense spending on the planet for a year, it seems like a Reasonable defense, given that millions of people are dying. Um, in other words, you know, you know. In some ways, I break it down that in the developed world, it's a pandemic. we are facing a pandemic of choice. In other words, their political people are choosing to spread this. And in the developing world, we're facing a pandemic driven by greed, which is to say, uh, drug companies and rich countries and others that have the wherewithal to stop this. Are not doing it because they want to serve themselves.
2: Just one quick thing to correct you, tiny bit there, David. Okay, greed and incompetence. Because okay. look at Bolsonaro, Brazil. Look at Modi, India. It's not just greed that's put the populations at risk.
1: Thank you. You're absolutely right.
0: And by you've got a nice uh, article in the Daily Beast that kind of summarizes or ex- expands on some of those points, but summarizes on the fifty billion dollar failure, which seems like such a, I mean, it is a paltry amount, but it's for some reason, it's such a paltry amount. Nobody actually wants to pay attention to it. Um, I, I, I echo all of Lori's sentiments, including, I think Lori, you, well, I've certainly been kind of completely torn apart in the press. Cause I've said that, you know, we actually need to, to when LA County went to masking Nevada and now multiple counties around the country, including like some red states, counties that are re, kind of reinstituting indoor mask policies, et cetera. I, I think that was exactly the right thing to do. And I would argue it was too late. And I, uh, we talked about the CDC taking away masking for quote vaccinated people. And everything we thought that would come out to be true is true. Unvaccinated people don't hold up a sign and say, sorry, I'm unvaccinated. Let me you know stay six feet away from me. And here's my mask. There is absolutely no trust or adherence to that. And now what we're doing, where I quibble with um, a lot of the dialogue even in the press is that this is two Americas. I don't know why we think that, of course, like the majority of people dying and getting sick are unvaccinated, that's clear. It's a clear driver of these statistics, but all you have to do is look at Israel and UK and any other country where they do a better job monitoring breakthrough infections to Lori's point about immunity escape. And we're just like maybe weeks away from it. And if I got something wrong, it was the timing of this surge. I thought it would be um, much closer to school reopening, back to office kind of reopenings and that type of thing, lifting of travel restrictions, Canada, et cetera. The variant threw all of that into a wrench and moved up that time frame and has expedited that time frame. And then I also think I have to acknowledge, though, that the public is tired. Like even I, I today. I mean, we're all back in PPE, and we were always in PPE, but we were all kind of relaxing. I didn't wear a face shield. I was I was a little more relaxed um, in clinic and with patients. We're all back up and. It's, it dawned on me today, which is why I was depressed all week. It dawned on me that I just don't want to do this again. Like I I do not want to do this again. I don't want to stay at home. I don't want to do this. And I'm resentful. I acknowledge how resentful I was of all the people who choose to be unvaccinated. They don't have contraindications. They don't have some medical reasons that they can't get vaccinated. They choose to be unvaccinated. And now we're being held hostage. And that's what's troubling. And then I also think that I'm disappointed in the Biden administration on probably three levels. Number one, kind of the, you know, there was all this talk about like vaccine equity, 580 million doses. I know, Dave, Dave you know how hard that actually is. It's not super easy to just load them on planes and send vaccines over, but it feels like that focus because of our own domestic trouble has really been marginalized. Second thing that I'm disappointed in is like, all of a sudden now we realize there's a disinformation kind of lies problem <laughs> like where is where have people been for four and a half five years <laughs> i mean i just know since since donald trump ran you know said that he would be a candidate for president all i've dealt all we've dealt with are lies so i feel like they really were behind the eight ball there and then number three the federal government through the biden administration could have been the strongest advocate of keeping intact the very public health infrastructure that we realized we didn't have in the beginning, tried to you know, stitch Band-Aid back into shape and then proceed to take down. Taking down like the data and the testing, I have no idea who thought that was a good idea. And, and it's not just Ron DeSantis, who by the way, in the state of Florida now doesn't even require hospitals to do any reporting. But even worse than that, if you're a hospital reporting data, they just don't take it, the state doesn't want it. And even the state reported data is at least one week behind and that's also being echoed in other, you know, Christy Nome, other places where you have governors who insist that this is not, you know, that, that masks don't do anything and that people can get a vaccine if they want to. You have seen a turnaround. So I, I do fault the administration for that. Um, I And I think this is where, did, we've talked a lot about how they get it so right. And these are three big areas where they've gotten it so wrong. And I'm kind of waiting to see how they play catch up. But I also feel, uh, you know, this could be, I, I, I've been asked a lot, I'm sure Lori has too, like play out like the next six to eight months. And the truth is that I, I don't know exactly what will happen given how much the variants upend things, the modeling scenarios all depend on an incredibly high vaccination rate because just a little bit of science, if every time we have um, a more infectious version of this virus, the threshold with which we need to get that, I'll, I won't even call it herd immunity, I'll call it just like a solid confident wall of immunity just gets higher. And so we just keep screwing ourselves, so to speak, really. And that's where we are. That's not the note I'm ending on, which we'll be happy.
1: Yeah, yeah. no, I could see you're building up to that clearly. <laughs> um, uh... Ryan, I, I, I'm wondering what your reaction is to this. And, you know, as a bit of a policy wonk, um, and I say that as a compliment, you know, I, one of the things that is, is is coming clear now is that the notion of leaving being vaccinated to the will of the electorate has stopped working mm-hmm. with the demand for vaccines has dropped. There are a bunch of states where it's at 30% and holding. Um, There are obviously forces that are pushing against it. But it is suggesting a reconsideration. And, you know, Emmanuel Macron in France has taken some steps that say you can't get on a plane, you can't go to a concert, you can't Mm -hmm. do any of these things unless you have a proof of vaccination. uh, uh, And in some cases also a test. Um, And... Uh, you know, that's one level. The next level is just simply to say you've got to have a have a test. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I heard earlier today that, you know, the NFL, which is not the world's most forward looking organization, but, you know, the NFL has said, if somebody on your team is not vaccinated and they get COVID uh, and you guys can't play the game, you have to forfeit the game, you're going to lose the game. Um, and you know, that sounds pretty trivial, but, but essentially I think people are trying to find ways to put teeth in this. And I'm wondering
3: what you think about that. So, I I mean, I think that that's obviously a set of questions that have to be asked. And I don't know, um, to what degree the political underlying political dynamic is changing. Um, so that's one of the questions in a sense, I thought to throw to Laurie and or Kavita, which is, you know, obviously something in the last 24, 48 hours shifted. With respect to some of the Republican elected Republicans um, and Fox News to some degree. And, you know, we've mentioned Ron DeSantis multiple times in the last 48 hours. He did that video where he very emphatically, um, almost sounded like, Andy Fal- uh, like uh, Anthony Fauci on vaccines, promoted uh, vaccinations. Um, so there's some undercurrent. And I wonder, you know, I mean, I, I look at politics, but you look at politics at the intersection of public health uh, much more closely. If you think that is um, something in terms of optimism uh, for some underlying kind of shift so that, because I think what David's driving at in a certain sense is how much the public will tolerate, because I think that's why Biden, the Biden administration doesn't do things that are more down the spectrum of what Macron is doing is because he can't. Uh, there would just be such a backlash in terms of public trust in the rest. That it would, I think that's the concern they must have. So how, how do you think about that potential dynamic.
2: Well, actually, this sudden shift in uh, rhetoric from Fox News, with the exception of Tucker Carlson, and from uh, leadership of the Republican Party, and some key governors, um, is not some coincident, you know, came out of the air event. Uh, It really is that uh, the White House has been working very, very, very hard, uh lobbying republicans all the way down to the grassroots and they've been saying the message they've been putting out to mitch mcconnell and his team is look at what's going on here every place where the hospitals are back to being swamped where the death rates are skyrocketing is red states do you really want us to get two months down the road and it's a republican epidemic and you guys will get blamed and so uh, McConnell made this statement that was very clearly saying, "Get out there and get vaccinated." And one by one, everybody in the top tier of the Republican Party chimed in. Now you still haven't seen, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene and the lunatic fringe come on board and say, "Right, I'm going to get vaccinated." But you, you know, when Ron DeSantis is seeing his numbers starting to shoot back up again Mm -hmm. and the hospital costs going up and they're all looking at arkansas and missouri with a state of panic you know oh my god could we be back to shutting down all the businesses again could we be back to you know no concerts no bars no restaurants all back to you know Mm -hmm. june 2020 is that where we're headed so i think they're I think it was a very deliberate set of circumstances that made all that suddenly happen. And I know because I was in a a press briefing in the White House when they talked about it, I know that there were extensive conversations had from the White House. I believe the president himself was engaged in some of it with the uh, CEOs and the top management teams of both Newsmax and Fox.
0: I'm going to, I'll be honest, this is, Ryan, I'm going to answer completely politically. I, I think all that is true, Lori. This is 100% driven by internal polling that McConnell and the Republican Party have, where they're just showing that, like, the very states that are drowning are killing off their very low, like, voter base. And I mean, all, all of that is true. The White House has been doing their stump. But if I know one thing, I know Mitch McConnell, he would let he would let the country burn if it meant that the party could take power again. And they're so close; they're on the precipice of it. And I think that this has a lot more to do with kind of internal GOP polling, and and much more to also to the notion that, you know, if they start to be seen as, you know, obstructionists, obviously that's going to play into some hands, and probably some polling that shows that like the MAGA base, well, not only are they dying off, um, or getting infected. But they're actually not as, the, the concern of kind of strict MAGA is not, whereas in the general elect, people kind of held their nose as Republicans and voted for Trump because of the financial kind of gains and benefits that all of what's happening is taking away that outer circle of people who are kind of on the margins and don't really
2: like Trump. Did and you, so, did you guys, you know, see, Did you guys see the Annenberg poll? The Annenberg with the, released a, a very distressing poll Yesterday, I believe, and it they used almost the exact same questions they had previously done in April, so they could do a time trend analysis. And uh, you know, more than 50% of people polled think it's possible or probable that Bill Gates has put microchips Mm -hmm. in the Now this cuts across both parties. Now, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's more. (laughs) republican but there's a lot of democrats out there and they're the mostly far left democrats who Mm -hmm. believe that there's some you know and the irony is we've now know about pegasus and everything that anybody would ever want to do to do surveillance on average citizens and know your whereabouts and everything about you has been accomplished (laughs) mission accomplished no need Mm -hmm. to inject microchips um but it, that startled me. And then the other startling thing is this showdown that we've had that I've likened to the Army McCarthy moment uh, when Welch took on McCarthy and shouted, have you no decency, sir? Uh, that occurred this week in a showdown between Tony Fauci and Rand Paul. And as Rand Paul tried to repeatedly claim, that uh, there was gain of function research in the Wuhan lab. And Tony Fauci, he said, you're responsible for 4 million lives. And Fauci said, if there's a lie here, sir, you are the liar. And just finally lost it, took him down. And it was kind of a, a, (laughs) a showdown that many, many of Tony's fans have been waiting to see for probably a good five or six months. Uh, and his rage was, was obvious and seething. I So this is going to be the thing now that worries me. And I, I'd really like to know what Ryan thinks about this, because I'm going to go right to your area, to the law, about which I know almost zero. And that is that um, I am seeing a big increase in my Twitter stream and social media of rage against the unvaccinated, of You know, one person posted a sort of heart-wrenching post. I have a two-year-old and the nanny is refusing to get vaccinated. What can I do? And most of the responders said, fire her, throw her, deport her back to Poland, wipe her out, blah, blah, blah. I sense that we could be very well walking towards a moment where the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated become points of both legal contest and violent contest. Um, And we're also seeing uh, the whole mask conflict becoming tense again, so that here in New York, for example, we were at well over 90% of subway riders wearing masks as a matter of routine. And now, according to the MTA, it's down towards about 65%. Uh, And as there are efforts to encourage people or even mandate that people put on their masks in the subway, uh there's more anger about it and so what worries me is that we're going into an area of contest and that the contest will go to the courts and the contest will go to fists what do you think Brian?
3: um i think that's right i think like with many um american social conflicts they go to the we we litigate it (laughs) as we go to the courts and i'm not sure the courts are prepared for this Um, and you know, there's some um, analysis that was a couple months ago, that was just um, prescient in a certain sense, looking at uh, the Supreme Court's jurisprudence around the Affordable Care Act, saying that you know, with the Roberts Court, there's jurisprudence sitting there, uh, suggesting that you can't uh, compel people to uh, do things um, for themselves in terms of the way that you might think is like taxing them for their public health status. And and I think there's also, you know, a question to be asked about schools and mandates for vaccines and religious exemptions. And so I think that this is going to be a, a frontier. Um, and I, I actually saw that tweet in your Twitter thread, like those are complicated questions of employment law that I wouldn't even hazard to guess. Um, and how it would um, play out state by state as well. Um, but I think that that's going to, make things even more difficult uh, for public health authorities.
1: Um, Kavita, let me ask you a question and then sort of carry it around to everybody else, but it's the one that you alluded to earlier. Um, and I think it's the one that's on the average person's mind. What's what's around the corner, right? Uh, I talked to somebody, mutual friend of, of ours who, um, that sounds a little mafia, you know, like a friend of ours. But, but, but not not a mafia, a journalist who works for a big organization, and everybody in his office was vaccinated, and one by one they've gotten COVID positive tests this past couple of weeks, mm-hmm. um, because of this the variant, um, and all of a sudden they're all shaken, mm-hmm. you know, they're all like, uh, something's happening here we didn't expect. Um, by the same token, you know, you've got absolute confusion among public officials. Um, you know, you have the head of the Tokyo Olympics saying, well, maybe we'll cancel before the Olympics start. And I think they're scheduled to start tomorrow. You know, I mean, they, you know, they're, they're, they're that close and they don't know what they're gonna do. Meanwhile, I saw our great mayor, Laurie and Ryan, um, uh, on television today Saying we're going to have these five great big concerts next month, where we're going to get all these people together, and it's going to be fantastic. And I'm like, oh my god, is you know, is anybody here thinking? So I, I guess the real question is, and and you know, you you started. You said I don't want to go back there. I don't want to go through this again. Do you think you're going to go through this again? Do you think we're going to go through this again?
0: not to the degree we have. So I've kind of kept tabs. There's a uh, people if people are fascinated covid19scenariomodelinghub.org. It's a kind of a group of all the who's who at the universities because of IHME and others who have had kind of what seems a monopoly on models. A bunch of researchers came together and collaborated on trying to just put out scenarios and I actually agree they Modeled out a scenario that of several that seem more likely, which is um, vaccination rates that kind of stall out at, let's say, 75% of the country. And then, you know, something like the alpha variant, maybe even more transmissible than the alpha variant. And it looks like we'll peak uh, in the next, hopefully, six to eight weeks with about it, from the surge that we had in the winter, about a third of those cases. So that's not great, but that's also not as bad as what we went through. So I do think that it's far too late to kind of talk about nationwide. You know, I, I think that ship is out, staying at home, all of that. And I think it's because of the fear of the devastation to the economy. Look what happened to the Dow this past Monday. So I do feel like the the brunt of this or the severity of this will not be as bad. What I think is confusing, and I'm glad you brought up the, you know, major newspaper publication, et cetera, I think that what's happening is that what we thought was an all or none, we get the vaccine and we're totally fine, and that um, irresponsible message kind of got reinforced by the CDC, what we're now discovering is, wait a minute, that's not true. And you can have breakthrough infections. Nobody cares because we're not monitoring the ones that are not hospitalized or lead to death. And I think what you're going to see in the next months are much more of what you're describing, David. And therefore, people making um, what I would say are incredibly reactive decisions versus a population-based measure or something that we could do as a population, which is why I praised LA County. What they did was right i mean they basically stuck their neck out and said okay that's it people like we're not doing this again if you can't get vaccinated we're going to go back to indoor masks i don't know if many places will have the courage to do that so i do think that the fall like school season the fall it will look unusual but much more normal than a year ago but we're not going to get out of this like groundhog day one until the world is more vaccinated and two, until we come to some reckoning, we're going to have to come to some reckoning as a society of like how much COVID is like just enough COVID where we don't care about it anymore. And I know Lori's ta- we've, we've all kind of tried to figure out what is that, uh, we, we all use kind of complex R nots and infectivity. The truth though, is that rapidly the society is kind of burning out of desire and appetite to kind of deal with this and come winter, I think that people will be like, eh, okay, tens of thousands of cases, not my problem. I just got a mild case breakthrough. And then lo and behold, it's time for boosters or a third shot. The CDC had a really kind of a nothing conversation about um, booster shots, which I knew they couldn't have because the FDA has to kind of see some data first. But I think I, I have not had a single patient, young or old, that hasn't asked me about when they need to get their third shot and you can imagine that's just going to keep building up and
2: and not go away. Well, and and the third shot, the booster pu- puts the United States squarely in a moral dilemma that we don't have an answer to. Tedros gave a a press conference from WHO headquarters in which he denounced any efforts to go to a third Mm-hmm. shot for the rich world when the majority of the middle-income and poor world has never seen a first shot and uh, decried it as morally repugnant. Um, and I think that's only going to get worse with time. Um, and I think the other thing is that the the biology of what we're up against with the Delta variant in particular has not, I don't think the average person really understands what's going on here. That this is at least 12 key mutations in one viral strain that deviates from, you know, the guard variety form of COVID that we were dealing with a year ago. And among the things, the attributes that this virus seems to have is, first of all, about uh, exponentially more virus is in your nose and your mouth compared to uh routine COVID infection. And it's in there within two maximum three days of infection when you have no symptoms and are completely unaware that you're a danger to those around you. Uh, and this seems to be why there's some breakthrough infection because When you have families clustered together, you have households and offices clustered together. Everybody's let their guard down. The vaccinated are no longer wearing masks at all. They're getting messaging from the federal government that basically is saying, and here's where I would fault the Biden administration right now. Basically saying, "You're on your own, kids. You know, you know, you're smart enough to make your own decisions. Masks, no masks. Uh, You know, are you gonna?" Uh, open your office what are the circumstances of opening your office how do you open it safely well you know you can all pay consultants to help you out on that and it's a it's a terrible situation because this the viral load the amount just the sheer volume of virus that's in the noses of people in day two of delta virus infection is just enormous I mean I really can't think maybe Kavita can, you know, more viruses than I do perhaps, but I can't really think of a viral infection we've dealt with in my lifetime that has a viral load that high that that extrudes with routine breathing. No, well, pass, let me ask you a
1: question. The thing but is but
2: that, that, that we're also seeing that uh, there's a brand new paper just came out today that's showing mm-hmm. very rapid household spread when the index case is a child, an asymptomatic child. So that's also different. That we were not dealing with a year ago. And now we're on the cusp of opening schools. Kids are coming back from summer camp and whole households are getting infected. And the kids are asymptomatic. This we, you know, before we, we were worried that kids were, could be vectors of disease, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then we were disabused of that by multiple studies that showed that that was a a paranoid view, if you will. But that is not the case with Delta.
1: So let me ask you a question. I'll ask Kavita. And then I'm going to ask Ryan to do the last question. You know, Fauci the other day said, well, if you really want to be safe, wear a mask when you're Mm -hmm. not at home. You know, wear, wear a mask when you're indoors and you're not at home. And listening to Lori, it sounds like, you should wear a mask when you're indoors or around a lot of people, period, still. Um, What do you think, doctor?
0: Oh, I haven't stopped wearing a mask indoors in places that are not um, household. You know, I I have had people over who I know uh, who have kind of similar practices to me where they're wearing masks. I don't dine in uh, the one time, two times I dined indoors I wore a mask and then obviously not while I was eating. And I kind of felt like the whole thing was slightly farcical. So I have only shifted to kind of outdoor eating. So I have never taken off indoors, uh, stores, g- grocery, kind of retail. Well, what would
1: you advise? What do you tell your patients?
0: Oh, I've told them to wear a mask indoors. Uh, if, 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 it's, if it's something where you have like kind of open air, et cetera, it's not truly indoors. But I've been telling everyone like, there's no harm in wearing a mask. And this is where we're all kind of at odds with each other. Lori knows on the Twitterverse of med Twitter, even public health Twitter, incredibly different views. And I just think that it's... Uh, what you know, do you think
1: of uh, uh, the CDC's kind of laissez-faire view on all this?
0: No, I mean, I, was, I, I, I agree with the science. So just looking at kind of the data on you know the safety of a vaccinated individual against death and hospitalization which were the primary endpoints for those trials they're right so these you know you don't need to wear a mask but what they fell off of and didn't really kind of establish was unless you have like a very low appetite for risk, in which case, you know, you might want to wear a mask indoors. And then they also made it even more confusing by saying, but all you unvaccinated people, you have to, you know, kind of put a scarlet letter on and establish that you're unvaccinated. Well, just to
1: pick up on Lori, what Lori said, kids can't get vaccinated under a right. certain age. Should mm-hmm. they wear a mask?
0: Yes, I've, I have not let either of my children in like, again, the households and some other households where I have a pretty good handle outdoors. They don't. So this is just to to be practical. Um, It is incredibly hot in the DC area, as you know, and it's not practical to have my kid outdoors masked uh, in camps, but indoors it's a strict mask adherence policy. And we don't even bother to take them many places indoors. And I've told other people with their children the same, and here's why, but here's what I would caveat that by saying because I've been called a communist troll and I've had all sorts of lovely things hurled at me for saying this. I think it really just depends on your level of risk. I have a very low, I don't mind even if I get sick, David, I do not want to inflict something that could have been preventable on my, you know, six year old child when I don't even trust that we know the first thing about the impacts of, you know, whether you call it post-acute sequelae of COVID or long COVID or whatever you call it. Why would I want to wait and make sure that 30 years from now they don't see a direct, you know, link between fill in the blank with horrible disease and COVID? So I'm not willing to take that risk. And but that's, you know, I gotta you know, tell you.
1: I I am right alongside you in the communist troll department. Because it's not just the risk to you. And every Mm -hmm. Republican goes out and says, you know, I heard one today, a senator from North Dakota, and he's like, Well, I have smart people in my state. They can make their own decision about their own health. No, they can't. But it's not about their own health.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: As Lori was saying, it's about the health of everybody they come into contact with. Right. And so they they are not allowed to make the decision. You know, I could probably drive home drunk, but I'm not allowed to make that decision because the risk of the consequences for everybody else is so high. Ryan, last question for both of them.
3: Um, so I guess one question is what you think might psychologically break through vaccine hesitancy, um, and are there any optimistic trends on the horizon? So. Uh, for example, if the vaccine is no longer an experimental authorization, do you think that maybe cuts through to people? And that's been one of the things that's made them hesitant, or maybe it helps certain institutions like the U.S. military uh, require vaccination. Um, are there, is that something that we can hope for to mitigate some of this? Or um, what do you think is at work in the psychology, and the social psychology of where we're at right now?
2: Well, there's certainly a massive uh, attack, if you will, on the FDA over this double standard of approving a drug for (laughs) Alzheimer's that most independent scientists would say showed no real efficacy at all. Uh, And then sitting on and not taking action on whether or not it's time to fully license the various possible um, vaccines and, and treatments for uh, COVID. Mm-hmm. And and that that perceived double-edged sword or whatever the heck you want to use as a metaphor is really causing a lot of anger, um, especially in the medical research community. Mm-hmm. There's a sense that this is just makes no sense. Now, what, would that make a difference if you fully licensed the vaccines? It, I think would make a difference in the context of very large employers, mm-hmm. the military, you know, a giant bank, a huge manufacturing company, a place like Amazon or Apple or, you know, somebody that has thousands of employees, you it's very difficult to put a carte blanche policy that goes across your entire labor force and, and risk going to court over, you know, the five or six employees that want to hire an attorney. Uh, If it's an experimental use product, because by definition, experimental means it might not work and it might not be safe and it might not this. And so it's open to to litigation. Um, That's that's one thing. The other is, I think, um, as we look forward to where we're going with this epidemic and I I would chime in with Kavita's point that we're probably not going to peak until the fall. We're probably going to be peaking sometime around Halloween, um, maybe even depending on human behavior and what states do. It could even extend out to a peak around Thanksgiving. Um, we're, we're going to be in a situation where a lot of companies have already made decisions that September is their cutoff line. Uh, you know, here mm-hmm. in New York, the whole entertainment industry is going back full force this fall. Everybody's got their, you know, Broadway plays opening, their theatrical performances, music, concerts, everything. And there's a desperation to get that all going again. Hotels are starting their big, you know, resort seasons and selling giant discount packages to the Bahamas or what have you. And this is all a revving up and it's going to get harder and harder and harder to turn around and say, no, 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 no. Or yes, but with a vaccine card and mandatory vaccination, if we continue to have everything categorized as experimental.
1: Kavita, do you have a response?
2: No, not a response directly to that question,
0: but I'm I'm gonna try to to do what I said and on an optimistic note, I I well I don't think I actually don't think the approval is gonna sway that many people. I agree with Lori. It's gonna have to be mandates. By the way, there's this there's been articles and probably social media chatter about Biden being you know thinking about federal mandates and thinking about mandates. He's a big union guy, and obviously the unions are incredibly, incredibly kind of vocal about the desire to see a return to indoor masking and some clear guidance about kids, as well as potentially vaccine mandates, but it's putting the president in a precarious position. The only thing I want to kind of add is that what makes this different from a year and a half ago, we just know, we we don't know what we don't know, but we do know a lot more to try to identify things early, even those asymptomatic cases. I will say that David, we have the, it's not perfect technology, but we know the uk has done studies of 3 days of at-home antigen testing you know and 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 ways where we can try to actually have a normal society go back to work have schools yes we'll have infections and yes we should wear masks but i think that we can actually have parts of our life like kind of continue to be normal versus what i see which is very reactive and I, I really wish we could kind of settle on that because I don't think people, you know, people aren't going to go back to the way it was. I don't want to. So, I am optimistic, and if we can actually harness like some of, vaccines are one thing, treatments are another. There's this protease inhibitor you saw. I'm sure, Lori, you're familiar. Kind of Pfizer's working on that as well. I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic that the severity of the impact of this disease can be mitigated, not just by vaccines, which is the obvious choice, but by kind of a number of things around it, non-pharmaceutical and pharmaceutical. And I realize that's being Pollyanna, but we have it in our capability. And then I also do hope I'll say, I'll end on the kind of global good note. Like I really was hopeful, you know, we all met in this pandemic. I'm I'm just kind of trying to like err on the side of at some point we will always, you know, we will care about like humanity and other countries and other worlds. And it is something that the president understands very well. And you can see that in his choice of ambassadors. And so I am hopeful that we can have a global dialogue. It'll be in 2022, unfortunately, it won't be this year because of what Lori said with our own domestic issues. But I hope at some point we realize we're gonna be able to kind of get out of this through like better global cooperation.
1: Let there, say, that's my happy note. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a pretty muted happy note. I I let me say two things. Uh uh one, I'm with apologies to you because I don't want to bring it down, but you know, we we're talking about how the US is gonna deal with this and how rich countries are gonna deal with this. There is no prospect for the end of this in the developing world. Mm-hmm. none. I mean, you know, the the getting vaccine to them is gonna take years. We don't know what is gonna cook up in the interim. Uh, the leadership there, Laurie mentioned Bolsonaro and Modi are their two prime examples, has been catastrophically bad. Uh, we've had bad leadership here too, so we have no not cornered the market on that. Um, but uh, the likelihood that there is a path for rich countries to achieve a manageable coexistence with COVID mm-hmm. um, does not imply that there is a path for the developing world to do that anytime soon. That's going to be a source of tension. The other thing I want to say is every time you guys are on, I wish a million people would listen to the podcast. I guess I wish a million people would listen all the time, but when you guys are on, I especially wish that they would. And I strongly believe that the CDC should mandate Mm -hmm. that a million people listen to this podcast. Um, I think that would, I think that would do a lot of good. I think if they, both listened to you guys on a regular basis uh, and, uh, and did what you said, we'd all be better off. So I'm very grateful that you joined us. Uh, yet again, I had a bit of a chill, Lori, because when you said this could peak around Halloween mm-hmm. or it could peak around Thanksgiving, it, I had a real deja vu of your saying that last year. Um, and that you know we were having a very similar conversation, not the same conversation. And, and, and indeed, we didn't really know how bad it was gonna get, but, but very, very similar. So we will undoubtedly be back. Uh, we are fortunate to be able to have conversation with you guys. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Kavita. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks to everybody for listening. If you want to hear what we've got coming up next week, go to the DSRnetwork.com. If you want to be a member, support this kind of thing, click on membership. I think it's a little less than the cost of one latte per week. Um, uh, Actually, I think it's a latte per month. It's it's really inexpensive. So come and help support what we're doing uh, and join us again real soon. But regardless at all times, take care of yourself um, out there. Uh, there, there there's, there's a lot to contend with, be safe, bye bye.